Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F. as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, May 4th, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 54. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph that begins at the bottom of page 54 with, Hence, we saw that reason through two paragraphs ending on the top of page 55 with, Tell ourselves it wasn't true. Today's readers are Barb W., Esther F., Rick J., Kathy S., and Crystal P. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, May 3rd, 2021, are 16,875 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, that's 16875, and 16,876 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 16876. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Barb W. to read the OA 12 Steps. The 12 Steps. Step 1 of Barb W., Illinois, recovered gratefully. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3 made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all your affairs, in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Barb W. from Illinois. Esther F. I will, oh, I will now ask Esther F. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther S. from Cleveland, Ohio. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, beginning with the third paragraph on page 54, hence we saw that reason, through tell ourselves it wasn't true at the top of page 55. I will now ask Rick J. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. My name is Rick J. I am a recovered 
compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina, uh, recovered but not cured. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable, though it emanate from our best minds. What about people who proved that man could never fly? Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Oh, man. Yeah, this um, this paragraph, these two paragraphs, um, you know, I, I see the words reason, you know, and the ones that we just read the paragraphs previously, um, you know, and the words faith and reason keep popping up you know, in these last couple of pages all over the place. It's it's almost like they're, you know, they are really trying to, you know, to shift our thinking, you know, to shift our old ideas, uh, my old ideas, um, into some new ideas. And, you know, and that's what this is all about. You know, I need to open my mind, you know, and, and reason um, that the power of the mind to think understand and form judgments by a process of logic you know and and certainly that was me and i would analyze everything you know i liked facts logic analysis experiments theories you know that matched my way of relating with the world of course combined with my self-will run riot uh, there really wasn't much room for a power greater than myself uh, and there was a lot of fear there. There was a lot of fear in to believe in something. And I love how it's just reminding us that, you know, um, the best minds, the best thinking, the best ideas were sometimes just simply wrong or not enough information or, you know, more was to be revealed. You know, and the, you know, people who had proved that man can never fly, um, you know, they've, They've got a couple of call-outs to the, the Wright brothers, which is, uh, you know, a, there's a beautiful memorial out on the Outer Banks here in North Carolina, which I go to um, every year with some friends. You know, and I, I love that, uh, you know, it, to me it's a monument of just the spirit of, of childlike faith, you know, and new ideas. It wasn't that they were any smarter than a lot of the other people. I don't think so anyway, but uh, but they had some new ideas, and they didn't let – old ideas, um, you know, prevent them from holding on to their new ideas. And that's what I want to do. And, you know, and it, it was talking about uh, spiritual liberation, when, you know, to see um, in others. And when people would say God made this possible, and what I was denying was that, you know, the spiritual transformation that someone was experiencing was, you know, that was the God of their understanding working in their life. And finally, for me, I, I came to believe in your spiritual transformation, and I opened my mind, and I just became willing to have some new ideas and to let go of my old ones. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Rick Jay from Cary, North Carolina. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. 
So if you haven't shared on an, a Vision for You meeting on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 54 and the first paragraph on page 55, hence we saw that reason through tell ourselves it wasn't true, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Linda G. from New York. Katie G. from Boston. Sarah R. from New York. Okay, here's who I wrote down. Brenda G., Sarah R., and Katie G. Who did I miss? Was there someone Christina else? Christina J. Christina J. Anyone else want to get in line? Okay, Brenda G, Sarah R, Katie G, and Roz G. I'll add Roz G. All right, Blanca B G. Oh, oh, say that once more. Blanca B G. Blanca B G. Great. From Florida. Gotcha. All right. We've got Brenda, Sarah, Katie, Christina, Roz, and Blanca. Brenda, please go right ahead. Can you hear me? It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I just heard you now, Linda, and I'll add you to the bottom of the list. I'm Brenda G. Brenda G., it's, the floor is yours. Brenda G., I heard you, and now I don't. Because it's me, Linda D. Oh, <laughs> Linda D, go right ahead. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. This is Linda D in Connecticut, also known as Brenda G to some of my friends. Um, okay. Um, the thing that jumps out at me is uh, way back for a while back. I'm recovered in Connecticut. So grateful to be laughing and be at this meeting and to be recovered. Um, the thing that jumps out at me is that when I was new and for a long time, I bristled at the word God. I didn't want to be an atheist, but I was. So what was I going to do with that? And inside, I didn't let anybody see it. I smiled. When a smile, what does it say? I smiled knowingly. In my arrogance, I did that until this disease, which is a killer, not a country club addiction, a killer, um, how shall we say it, kicked the crap out of my life. Every intellectual thing that I tried, every, um, every skill that I had as a, a student or a worker or a living skills, it, they all broke down. And when I was cornered in terror that I did not know how to get out of this awful situation and did what this program told me to do according to the steps and the people around me who really were free, really free, still human but really free, I did the work and I found God. It's real, or he, or she, whatever you want to call it, something big is happening and I'm part of it and I'm thrilled to know 
that this, everything, every day, is the fourth dimension. So I have to plug in. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Linda G. from Connecticut. Sarah R. from New York. Hey, this is Sarah R. I just realized I shared yesterday, so I can share. Sorry, have a good day. Ah, oh, darn it. Okay, next time. Katie G. from Massachusetts. All right, I'm here. Sorry, Sorry about that. Wasn't expecting that. Of course. Ah, let me just take a deep breath. <laughs> Katie G, good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered in Boston. So I was busy looking up the word reason, and what does reason mean? It means make a fact intelligible, rational, ground. And, you know, there was nothing reasonable about me, and yet I clung to reason. Um, I am blessed to have a three-year-old, and she says, Why? She says, why? And you know what? I don't always have an answer. And frankly, what I have found, and I don't tell her this yet, in my program of recovery is that when I'm asking why, I am not looking for an answer. I am looking for a fight. I am looking for a fight. Why? Because believe it or not, I can't understand everything that happens in this world. And I was doing my writing um, for my step work yesterday, and I was writing about how Somehow, there's this like thing that I can't explain that I know many of you will understand. That somehow, by the grace of God, I don't exercise bulimically anymore. I'm not throwing up. I'm not anorexic. I'm not defined by my body weight, right? And then I'm doing this step work to learn who I am and who I'm not. And somehow, and this is the part that I really have a hard time with, by doing the steps, there's this thing that happens that God comes in and starts to change me. And this is what I feel like these two paragraphs are saying, this spiritual liberation. And P.S., tomorrow is going to be amazing because we get to talk about how deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God's sorry preview. And that's what we get to find. And I don't know how to explain to you what's happened to me over the last 16 years I've been in Overeaters Anonymous. I have not been abstinent that whole time, but I have been present every single day. And I had a relapse five and a half years ago with exercise bulimia. And since that time, God's been changing me. And I can't tell you why. And now, why does not matter. There is no, there's no chapter in the big book called Why It Works, It's How It Works. Right, But I have to remember, too, A plus B does not equal C. Just because I do the steps doesn't mean I get a relationship with God as I understand God. Please, God, let me not understand you. There's not an explanation for everything. There's just not. And my God and I are just sitting with that today, right? Like, I don't have to understand everything. And I also can't tell you what happens between when I do the step work and then all of a sudden I no longer need to control my husband. All of a sudden I understand that the anger that I feel is not about him. It's about something else. And he can't fix it. He's a human power. And then I can love him. So hang on to your seats and stop asking why. Because you know what? It's not that important. Why is Overeaters Anonymous fundamentally the best thing that's ever happened to me? I don't know. I don't care. But I want my seat. I want to keep trudging, learning, and growing with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie G. from Massachusetts. Christina J. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of Washington this morning. Um, 
recovered, grateful, one day at a time with God's grace upon my life, leading me by the nose um, as long as I'll go. Because when I was a kid, you know, uh, I suffered for many years not getting what I wanted. I had a family that was uh, just hanging on by the seat of their pants to get through every kind of weird drama there was in life that could kind of hit a family. I mean, it wasn't the worst, but it wasn't the best. And so I grew up with this goal in mind to get what I wanted. And um, I knew I was going to get it someday, and I knew I figured out how to try to go about things in a haphazard way. I had my second husband. He told me, you know, um, you want it all and now. And, and, and until a couple years ago, I didn't surrender that. Uh, and that's what was holding me back from my recovery. I always felt like I had a faith. I always felt like uh, I was doing what God wanted. But I was doing what I wanted because I had a goal um, to get what I needed in life. And um, that's what held me back from recovery. Uh, I would often get neutral around the food uh, in program, um, but I couldn't figure out why I'd be going back to relapse. I didn't know what kind of character defects I was carrying around that were pulling me back to the food, that emotional buildup. I had no idea because I was still running the show. And so I was going on reason and the faith in what my head was telling me. And sure, I'd pray and I'd have great walks in nature and um, didn't meditate much, but I prayed and felt like a strong connection to God and I'd chant, but I never would surrender that thing, uh, that going about life my way. And I didn't know it. You know, we can forgive ourselves because we don't know. Yeah, we're selfish. We're irritable. I mean, we're selfish, self-centered. We're dishonest in, in these weird ways that we find out about in the program. But I can certainly forgive myself because I didn't know. But when I found out in my four-step work, I was just, like, blown away. Oh, my God, I've been running my life by fear that I'd never get what I wanted, jealousies that came from that, um, envy, uh, these things eat you alive, as we know in the big book, Jealousy is a Killer, and fear that I would never, ever get to use my talents to be productive in the world for myself to get what I wanted. I keep going back to that, but that's what it was all about. So I'm now learning to surrender daily, and this is my only hope in life. I can tell you it's my only hope in life is to let God run the show, let that beautiful energy guide my life. And how do I discover that? Do I get up and say, oh, I'm going to do this and that and the other today? No, I have to sit and pray, surrender. And I, without that, I, I'd be back in the food in no time, without you guys, without this program. So um, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Christina J. Roz G. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Palmdale, California, just an hour north of Los Angeles City. And so what I want to say is um, the I want to just talk about the words that popped out at me and how I relate to them. So the first one was that I bet uh, was is spiritual relief, a uh, spiritual release and spiritual um, re- Liberation. It's 4 a.m., so I'm a little choppy in my thinking. <laughs> but um, so I wrote. I wrote a little thing. I said today I write. I, I have neutrality. 
I have neutrality of this is my spiritual release and, and liberation. I mean, it is spiritual to me to have a neutrality of drive-throughs, of buffets, even though we don't, you know, during COVID there's no buffets. But, you know, I don't feel the need to go to buffets today. Um, most eating out, um, eating out, I used to love to get turned out by eating out, turned on by eating out. And um, today I don't really... I'm really neutral about it because most most restaurants, at least where I live, um, the food is not that high of quality. And my food plan calls for so many fresh vegetables and fruits and and cooking, you know, of my and and herbs to to spice my food with that um, I don't like eating out because their food is just they don't think that it's not fresh and and lovely and wonderful and who knows all this the stuff they put in it so. You know, I'm neutral of that and have a healthy fear of it. And um, at, I was at church uh, on Saturday at a ladies' uh, conference, and they had it catered, and I was neutral towards the big cupcakes that they had there. I didn't want that. And basically, I really didn't want the main dish. I had a couple things, but I was neutral to the, towards that. I was more interested in the lesson and, be, and, and with the ladies. So to me, that's a spiritual liberation and release. I'm neutral towards distractions because I used to attend a lot of AA meetings. I'm not an alcoholic, but I could just sit and listen and hide in the back because they let anybody in. And now I, I'm, I'm focusing on OA meetings because that's my that's where I need the, that's where I need to be. I need to be sharing and listening and fellowshipping with with who who I am, a compulsive overeater that's recovered one day at a time. I have a spiritual release towards sleeping. I'm up at 4 a.m. most of the time to pray, to meditate, to listen to this meeting, to do spiritual things. And then on the last one, but it liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true, um, so many years of yo-yo dieting, so many years of being told no by other people, so many rejection things that I had in other areas of life, I don't get that here. I get asked to do certain things. I get asked for an outreach call. I get I get people telling me I loved your share or in my personal life I have a, a hobby of gardening and people ask my my advice about it and they tell me they love what I, my garden. So and I'm like, "Wait, you're not rejecting me. You're you're accepting me. You're telling me you like something about me." And it happens mostly in these rooms. And and and, and it's true. And I do have a healthy body size. And I do love my um, abstinent foods and my food plan. And I have neutrality towards all that other stuff that I just explained. So with that, I pass. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Raz G. Blanca BG from Florida. Good morning. This is Blanca BG. Um, wow. I as I was listening to the reading, something came to me so vivid in my, in my memory. I remember I was, I was about, I was six, I was six years old and I was just distraught sobbing over something that had happened. And I was with my mother. I don't remember what the something was, but it, all I know is what I do remember is the the heartbreak and the rage I felt over the fact that I had prayed and prayed for this thing not to happen. And it happened anyway. 
for this bad thing not to happen. And I remember so vividly saying to my mother, but mommy, you said to pray. You said if I prayed, this thing wouldn't, it would ha- I would get what I wanted. And now this has happened anyway. And I was just beyond distraught. I, and, you know, looking back, I can only re- imagine what my poor mother must have felt watching her six-year-old just have an absolute tantrum over something that I'm sure she felt very powerless again. What do you say? And, but the, what happened that moment was my addictive personality was beginning to emerge. The, the uh, reasoning set in and my reasoning, and it became my reasoning for the rest of my, my life was I prayed for this thing. I asked you for this thing and I didn't get it. And so the anger began. And of course, my addictive behavior, the eating began. That became my reasoning. That be- and I built my faith on that reasoning. So that's why this paragraph is probably so powerful, like such a chord in me. But then I walked into the room of OA. I walked into the, those rooms and wow. And as I began and was loving people in OA began chipping away at me, a lot of chipping <laughs> and a lot of, un- a lot of layering, layers taking down those layers. I was taught something very profound that changed me. And it was, Blanca, you're, pr- you're praying for the wrong things. You're praying that bad things and misfortune aren't going to happen in your life. Well, of course they are. That's life. That's the way it goes. And my prayers became different. My prayers are different now. Now my prayer is, God, protect me in my misfortune. Be my buffer. Be there for me. The bad times are going to come. You've taught me that much. The heartbreak, the loss. But be there with me. Carry me through it. And there began the new reasoning and a new faith for me. And on that I passed. Thanks, Blanca BG. Okay, if you haven't shared on an A Vision for You meeting on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 54 and the first paragraph on page 55, hence we saw that reason through tell ourselves it wasn't true, please press star 1 to unmute and state just your first name and last initial. We're going to try no uh, locales this time. Who would like to share Nancy T. Paul V. Cindy B. Amy G. Okay, so I'm not sure I got this right, but it sounded like Nanny G. Kathy J. That was Nancy T. Oh, and Nancy Uh, T. Oh, okay. All right. So, believe it or not, I still am not quite hearing it, but I did hear Nancy P., which I put on the end, but was there something sort of like Nanny G? Amy G. Amy G. Okay, Amy G. All right. And then I heard a Paul B., I believe, and then I heard a Penny G., 
And then I heard something that sounded like S-E-J. Kathy J. Oh, Kathy J. Okay. <laughs> All right. So did I miss anybody? Okay. Does anybody else want to hop on? Okay. So this is Cindy B. Say that one again. Cindy B. Andy B. Is it? No, Cindy. C I N D Y. Oh, Cindy B. As in boy. Yep. Okay. All right. So here's who I have: Amy G, Paul B, Penny G, Kathy J, Nancy P, and Cindy B. Amy G, go right ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Uh, what a great meeting. I've just loved everybody's shares. I think what stood out for me today was neither is reason as most of us use it entirely dependable. I always have to smile and kind of chuckle being recovered now looking back at how dependable my reasoning really was. It talks about it in the AA 12 and 12 in the first step that we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive eating that only an act of providence, you know, an act of a higher power can relieve us of that insanity. And my reasoning, my best thinking being warped as it was by this mental obsession, you know, had me thinking that the best idea I had all day, my logic, my reasoning was to stick those binge foods in my mouth and then puke them up in the toilet. Is that sound reasoning? Is that dependable? I think not. But why did I hang on to this reasoning for so long? And even in five years, almost five years and over years anonymous, well, they talk about it in this program. This is a program of ego reduction. And for me, my reasoning does nothing but serve my ego and my self-will and my selfishness and self-centeredness. I didn't understand all of that then. But when I looked in whom those who had been spiritually liberated, that it talked about in the second paragraph, you know, I was using reason and logic that combated to combat something that needed faith and action instead. And to me, that spiritual liberation was exactly that, letting go of my ego, surrendering myself to this program and being willing to take the action steps regardless of what I believed or understood. I didn't have to ask why, as someone else was saying anymore. As a matter of fact, I just needed to do, to be willing and to do. You know, this whole thing about these best minds, I always chuckle when I think, well, no wonder the best minds didn't want their right brothers to fly because that would have proven them wrong, right? It would have affected their egos and their pride. And I had to finally realize that my ego was killing me because I thought reason was the end all and the be all because then I just had to do it myself. It didn't have to affect anyone else. But when I surrender to this program, and put my ego aside and say, I know nothing. I need to be open and honest and willing and take those action steps, take that leap of faith, regardless. I mean, it says we only need to be willing. I don't need to understand God in order to believe in God or a higher power, just as long as it's not me and it's greater than me. You know, and I still struggle with my ego today. It's not like it goes away overnight or anything like that. But the reality was I needed to understand that and be able to surrender and be willing to take action. 
and the rest all just followed. Anyways, enough out of me. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Amy G. Paul B. Good morning, Rebecca. It's uh, Paul V, actually. V is in Victor. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sorry about that, Paul. Paul no, that's, V, that's, go right ahead. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. Uh, it's Paul V, and I'm a, a junk food addict, and I live in Alberta, Canada. Um, <clears throat> the reading from the AA Big Book this morning reminded me of uh, when I was a kid hearing the uh, the Bible reading about how it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And at the time when I was a kid, I remember thinking, yeah, the same is true for somebody who's smart. It's easier for the camel than for a smart guy to get into heaven. And, uh, and I thought of myself as, well, a pretty smart guy. I remember thinking, I can figure out any problem. You know, I'm not a great athlete. Um, I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm not popular. Wish I was, but I'm not. Um, but I'm smart enough, you know, and, and, and boy, that led to a, a real arrogance um, because I, I have always thought whatever the problem is, I can figure it out. I can do it myself. I'm smart enough. I can figure this out. And I, um, and I still fall into that pattern of thinking. And, and I, I know um, by, by being in the program now for a little over three months that I, I need to let go of thinking, you're so dang smart. <laughs> I just need to let that go. I, I know I need to let go of, of my ego. Um, I know I need to learn from, from others. And I know I need to learn from this program. Because you know, if there is anything I have learned, it's that I can't think myself abstinent. I can't do it. Um, I, I can't do it that way. And so that reading this morning made that very clear. Thank you for having me share this morning. And I'll pass. Thank you, Paul B. Penny G. Unless there wasn't a Penny G, that's possible. <laughs> All right, I'm going to assume I was mistaken. Kathy J. Hi, everybody. I'm Kathy J. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater recovered and also not cured. Um, you know, this this reading, you know, I related to what the shares were, too, because at 11, you know, I I realized I was on my own. You know, we a lot of us come from a addictive family. Most of us do. And I realized I'm on my own. I can't trust everybody. I have to do it myself. So it's not so much arrogance, although that's how it turns out. It's more that I'm terrified because I, you know, I have to figure it out. I have to, or I will die, <laughs> you know? And so, um, you know, and then got, you know, when I was 19, I prayed my heart out before program for God to help my mother who was so mentally ill. And two days later she died. Um, I decided I, I decided God wasn't trustworthy and he couldn't um, be trusted to help me. And uh, I got angry and pushed him out. And so I, um, you know, that just fueled my, my overeating, you know, because it was always there underlying. I can't trust anybody. I have to figure this out myself. And when I came to recovery, I realized 
not only that, um, you know, I can, first of all, recover from compulsive overeating, regardless of whatever happened to me as a kid, and that I could trust the process of the 12-step program because I saw it working in others and it was starting to work for me. And then I learned that my mother, there would have been nothing anyone could do at that time to help her. She was in mental agony. And so I know God did the right thing. I just didn't know it. Somebody said something about not having all the information. I never have all the information. That's why I need a a uh, higher power, that wee small voice that's going to slip in and pat, bypass reason and my thinking and say, just do this. And then if I do it, I feel better. And it's relief we're seeking when we're in the food. We're seeking relief from the conflict and the irritability, the discontent. You know, I can be content today. I can be at ease. I could never be at ease. There was that underlying tension that was always there that I ate to relieve. And that tension is only relieved by working recovery and having a higher power strong enough to be more powerful than my inflated emotions. You know, I, my emotions swell um, when I eat something that I'm not supposed to eat and they get out of whack. My thinking gets swollen and out of whack. My ego, sh until it pops, you know, the last thing is ego reduction is painful, but it's not harmful. I learned it won't harm you, this process. It'll, it'll hurt your ego, your pride, but it won't harm you. And that's, the, that's what's necessary to learn lessons. We, we have to, I have to feel that ugh, before I learn a lesson. Um, it's just how the thing works. Um, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And in this program, we can, we can exchange reason for intuition, at least um, our own reason. So thanks for listening. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kathy J. Nancy P. Hello? Hi. Is it Nancy oh. P.? Yes, yeah, sorry. I was unmuting when you said my name. Sorry about that. Good morning, um, Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Um, yet we had been seeing another kind of flight of spiritual liberation. And um, that really spoke to me today because, you know, all those years, from 1971 to 2017, I was in a prison, you know, in Overeaters Anonymous, going to meetings, unable to put the food down, unable to identify with, you know, I felt good when I was in a meeting sort of sometimes, you know, but I kept going because I knew that there wasn't any other solution, even though along the way I tried many. Um, and then, you know, I ran into something that I couldn't, I could not control and I had to throw in the towel. And, um, you know, many of you know, that was when my daughter was cutting and burning herself and I was just I just was howling over it and um, you know and I never I, I never you know this prison that I was in I couldn't get to you know what I thought I had to get to I couldn't get to God I didn't want any God that was on offer I didn't want that and it wasn't working for me and I was just hopeless but this book 
this chapter in particular speaks to me because I am agnostic. I was agnostic. I still am. And I, you know, don't plan on always being, but I'm not planning on not always being. I don't care. You know, the the magic word that others have used is surrender. And, um, you know, when I surrendered, a lot of things happened and they happened fast. You know, I got better and I got better fast. And, um, you know, the answer for me is always more of that. I don't, you know, I'm not into, like, I can't say, God, please do this. I, I feel ridiculous, and it just, I just feel stupid, and I can't, I can't do it. It doesn't do anything for me. However, um, whatever it is that works is working, because um, yesterday I went to the gym with my daughter, and she was wearing a tank top, and um, her scars are up and down her arm like a bunch of railroad tracks. And um, it was really painful to watch that, to see that she, but she doesn't wish to shut the door, forget the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. She wears them. She loves them. And um, I was telling a friend on the phone the other day that I was sick and tired of being afraid that she was going to do that again. And what is the answer again? Surrender. And, you know, it says here, spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. And with that simple act, like, I'm ready to, to surrender and have it be what it is. You know, if she does that to herself again, I have no more power now than I did when she was actively doing it. And, um, you know, I feel free. I go where free men go or free women go. I do everything. I have no constraints. I'm liberated. And, you know, the spiritual solution that I found works for me. It might not work for other people, I was on the phone with somebody and they said, who do you surrender to? And I said, what do I care? Like, why do I care? I don't. And, um, you know, I get a lot of calls, a lot of calls from people who are like closet questioners, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And um, anyone can call me at any time. You know, I am free today. And, and what a gift. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy P. Cindy B. Hi, this is Cindy B. from Boston, um, and I'm recovering um, a day at a time. I've been in OA since 1984 and have had um, an amazing spiritual journey. Um, this thought come, came to my mind as we were reading and listening um, that, that doubt is the 100% belief in what you don't want. And when I first came into OA, I was already uh, in a place with my own grow- growing up religion that I, I, I didn't want to have it. I mean, I didn't want to have the spiritual side of it. And I really focused, you know, just uh, don't eat, go to meetings. Um, that was the, the kind of OA that we had here. And, um, and so my, the group was my higher power. My sponsor was my higher power. Um, and... Um, and I had kind of fired my higher power. I had fired God, really. And, you know, when they talk about a God of your understanding, um, the God of my understanding at that time was not a very, I wouldn't say a powerful God, because it's certain that God couldn't, like, relieve me of the pain of my life and of my behaviors. Um, and... Also, I felt like it was a cruel God. Um, and so 
I actually at one point in my recovery just created my own, I called her goddess and I called her Mina because she was mine. And I wrote down all the aspects I wanted God to be for me. And I started to pray to just that. Um, And the thing that was so interesting, and this is the thing I've really learned, you know, about higher power is that it doesn't care. Um, It you know, when when I pray, something seems to happen. I don't know why. When I reach out, something seems to reach back. I don't know what. And um, and yet, you know, any concept I have is just like my mind and an idea, rather than just reality, which is a feeling. And I've I've really loved what you know I've heard in these meetings is you know. God isn't in the head, it's in the heart. And when I go to my heart, I really do feel something. And I know that, you know, um, when Bill W. was writing the big book, he, um, you know, he didn't really want to talk about God. And his wife, Lois, got really upset that he wasn't going to talk about God because it was God that, you know, he had that really, like, intense God experience. And... But then, you know, he says, you know, okay, we're going to talk about God. <laughs> like that's, and I love this term, spiritual liberation, because I need to live my life in a spiritual way rather than just in a material way. Right. Living it only in a material way, in an egotistical way, was really, I want to say, killing me, you know, um, and, um, you know, so it's just good to be here and be reminded um, that I've chosen to live on a spiritual basis in this program one day at a time. I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thanks, Cindy B. We have time for two more shares. Um, hence, we saw that reason for Barbara E. Barbara E. Thank you. Loretta H. And Loretta H. Okay, great. Barbara E, go right ahead. Well, I think it is Barbara E in New Jersey, the state of confusion. I do believe that there is some kind of powerful force out there. I'm just human, so I don't understand it. But if I think I read this prayer of St. Francis every day and pray to that, that I be just like St. Francis, doing the opposite, if I can, with God's help, of all the things that I've done imperfectly the day before. And I think Tradition 5, which we're not talking about, is really our primary purpose to pass pass the the message on to still suffering people who have a variety of issues. To me, it's the heart of the program because we compulsive overeaters have been offered a wide variety of solutions to our problems, from diet clubs and counseling, counseling programs to medication and surgery. And in the midst of all the competition for us and our money, we of Overeaters Anonymous take no money. Service is our only reward. spiritual program, not a religious program. So it really doesn't matter whether I'm agnostic, atheist, Buddhist, Jewish, Muslim, 
is Christian, it makes no difference at all because we brought hope to thousands of people who sought given up hope just like me. I found through you a sane way of eating and living. I have a responsibility now to make sure OA doesn't become sidetracked. Our groups have to come together so we can share recovery through the 12 steps and 12 traditions with fellow compulsive overeaters. We, our responsibility, as been always said, is to offer recovery to those suffering from this disease as long as we remember that that is our primary purpose. So experience has shown us, I cannot give this precious gift that I've gotten away if I don't turn back and give it to others. I need you as much as you need me. We're a community of compulsive eaters, bulimics, anorexic people with disorders. And for those who are reluctant to sponsor, as someone says, I'd be frightened not to. I'd be afraid I'd go back to my old ways of eating and thinking. And that would be death. That would be terrible. I don't have another diet in me. So tradition five, which says, that's all our responsibility is. Being open to everyone reminds us that our recovery doesn't come from simply discussing our problems with each other. Thank you. But to share the message by reading the literature and sharing our recovery through through the steps and handing it back. Thank you for this wonderful program of recovery. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. Loretta H. Good morning, Rebecca, and good morning, everyone on this line who always saves my life. This is Loretta H. I live in North Carolina. I am definitely a compulsive overeater. Grace with God's abstinence for today. And um, I like the idea, and it talks about it in this book, and that's what my recovery is. It helps me solve all my problems, just not my food problem. And um, the spiritual liberation, and I, I call it spiritual flight, I was a flight attendant for 35 years, and I was an agnostic during the, my whole career. And when I used to land in cities, I used to get these goosebumps, especially at night, that how could I get from point A to point B? Always used to just baffle me. And um, But I, it, I felt God when it happened because of the goosebumps, and I think I surrendered to at least the pilot that he was going to get me down. And today, um, I know that there is a God. I don't know and I don't understand him, but there is a God. And they say that um, religion is for people who don't want to go to hell and spirituality is for people who've been to hell. Um, That's from the book of spiritual imperfection. But it's interesting that because I was and kind of studied the Wright brothers because they were amazing to me, that they actually went to the Louvre and looked at the religious paintings and the artists at the Louvre to actually design their airplane. So if that wasn't God and that's religion, it's all of the above. They, they work. 
but I have to work it. And this is where um, the trust comes in and especially the surrender for me. Seriously understanding real recovery entails not debating every reason because I am the biggest debater in the whole wide world. And today I don't need to, uh, to debate. All I need to do is understand and stand under and do the work. And I get that awe in my life today from this work. I get to have a life that is really good, sometimes messy, but it's good. And I am so grateful to my God, especially for my abstinence, especially because that comes first. Uh, Not that God doesn't, but I can't find God until I have abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Loretta H. You're our last person to share for this first hour. And that being said... Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, May 4th, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 16,880. That's 16880. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Kathy S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thanks, Rebecca. This is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.